everybody, welcome back to the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on a Wednesday afternoon. It's a Woody Wednesday, and the three of us are back together in person for the first time in quite some time on camera. That is Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham, and I am Austin Ward. We are done with about two and a half hours of the most informative media session that you could possibly have. One of the best days of the year. All Every member of the coaching staff, uh, full-time coaching staff, plus Mark Pantoni and plus new graduate assistant James Laurinaitis were available to speak with the media. So, open-ended question, Bill. Hmm. What did you learn? I learned a lot. Probably like way more than we're going to be able to cover uh, on this episode <laughs> of the podcast, but there'll be more coming uh, in the days and weeks ahead. Uh, maybe the biggest thing from Ryan Dave is like the setting the tenor of the quarterback competition, and and that it is you know going to be open. It's not. You know, he talked about how Kyle McCord does have a year of experience. He has a start under his belt. But Devin's going to get equal opportunity. Devin Brown is going to get equal opportunity to go out and win that job. And that also he hopes that there's a resolution by the end of spring, which I maybe don't 100% believe, but I'm still kind of surprised he, he said it. Because he, he said it, and then he said, in the past, we've not done it that way, and I would prefer it and be better for the program if we can have somebody in place uh, as the starter by the end of spring ball. So we'll see how that goes. But um, I think the biggest thing is, like, it's not – Kyle McCord's job to lose, maybe necessarily. It's both these guys are going to go out and compete and, and make the best man win. I think he said it to appease everybody. Yeah. Like, you can look forward to this. And then the question will come in April You wanted to do this by the end of spring. And he will say, I don't know if we're going to be He's in this. say, Well, so I actually good. I preferred. I didn't want, I preferred. <laughs> uh, there's a difference. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing for me today is that listening to the, the way Ryan Day talked about name, image, and likeness and what Ohio State is doing and it definitely was a change in uh, optimism versus what we heard from him on signing day in December. That seems like he and the administration are getting aligned on the, the path to move forward. And I think that's encouraging for Ohio State fans. We've seen it even in the last week um, with, you know, transfer portal wins uh, with Davison Aguinosin. And that was a battle that initially we were told could have a fairly heavy NIL uh, tinge to it. If that's the case and Ohio State won it, that's a pretty big um, step forward for the program in two two areas. Number one, the transfer portal, an area they've been reluctant to dive into. But number two, NIL, where if they're if they're going to be more aggressive, um, that's encouraging. And you you have to know how competitive these coaches are, folks, and they don't want to lose recruits for something that something as meaningless as money. So <laughs> who cares? Uh, probably uh, it was a coincidence. I was going to say probably not by a coincidence, but. Uh, a press release from Cohesion hit my inbox right before Ryan Day took to uh, the podium. They hired a full-time executive director, and they also, as I mentioned the other day, have a communications director. Uh, so they're putting a professional staff in place on that side, at least with Cohesion. So we'll see what that means, but you can see that those efforts are being made. That's progress. Uh, whether I can't put a dollar amount on that, but Ten, uh, $10. But they're trying to, which is the point of that. $10, so, $10 whole so dollars. We don't have to continue to belabor the NIL point because there's a lot of actual football stuff going on, including... It Ryan. is signing day, though, so I felt like I had to talk about something okay. well, recruiting that's, first. That's Especially yeah. It's what you Because you guys want to talk about Brian Hartline being the offensive coordinator, uh, don't yeah. you? And what it means for Ohio State. So tell us, Austin, what does it mean? I don't feel what, like, is that, what is that major coaching decision? Mean? What does that mean to you? <laughs> I don't... I don't want to anymore. Fine. Bill, you talk about it. <laughs> You're shaming me it's into important. it. important. Uh, no, let us. It, the description from Ryan Day went exactly as we thought it would. That there's going to be opportunities. He wants game-like. Ryan Day wants game-like situations, which are not just for evaluating quarterbacks, but for also evaluating Brian Hartline as a play caller. He will have opportunities to dial that up. 
and Ohio State can work through. And it's not just for Brian Hartline, but also for Ryan Day to say, how's it going to look like if I'm a little bit more hands-off uh, in game situations? What uh, Do I see things the same way uh, as Brian Hartline does? Are we are we taking similar approaches or ones that I feel comfortable with enough that by September, Brian Hartline can be potentially upstairs with a headset on and dialing up plays and having a different view than Ryan Day has from the sideline. This thing is not 100% set in stone. Brian Hartline understands that as well, that you know he's thinking about what it's going to be like and preparing for March and April uh, to maximize his chance to show that he can do that job. So it's not a foregone conclusion. However, um, Ryan Day, I asked him about this, and he publicly addressed this, that he the time demands, uh, more specifically, once you get into October and November for a head coach, make it more challenging for him to call plays. And it just so happens to line up with the time where we thought that Ohio State's offense got a little stagnant and predictable. So he, as Berm said, these guys are super competitive, and they're not just going to let ego stand in the way. This is how I've always done it, uh, or at least successful coaches don't let that happen. And Ryan Day being willing to make this adjustment is a big deal. And I think that the way he talked about it, even if he's saying this is not 100% how it's going to work by September, tells you the what the path that he would like to go down. So all the coaches were out today. We're all bouncing around. I did not get to Ryan Hartline's table. I was there for like 30 seconds. What did you sense, for, I guess, from either of you, about his like eagerness to have the sticks next year? He He's not trying to push it. Uh, he understands that he's going to have to prove it in March and April. Now, I think that Brian is very confident in his ability. When we talk about ego, you have to know when to set it aside, and you have to know when you're good enough to do something. I believe that he has full confidence. Somebody else asked him, I don't remember who, if you had to call a game on Saturday, could you do it? And he was like, yes. <laughs> um, and I wouldn't expect him to answer that question any differently, but uh, I, I don't think he's trying to snatch them out of Ryan Day's hands as much as there's still going to be a process of improvement and growth and learning. But is he confident that he'll do that job? 100%. Yeah, you don't get to this point that any of these guys are at without being confident in what you do. And he's also smart enough, I think, to understand that this is an inflection point in his career where if this doesn't go well, then it's a potential probably to, to backslide as he enters the next phase of his career. So I don't think he's wanting to rush it. But Brian Hartline is not going to be unconfident about anything. So <laughs> if people are going to say, can you do this? The answer is going to be, hell yeah, I can, and I will. So uh, I think the biggest thing with Hartline for me was him talking about how it may force him to readjust in recruiting. I talked about that uh, in one of my questions. And he said, essentially, I just need to not waste time. So there's time enough for me to do all these things. Ryan Day said that he's going to be more involved in recruiting every position on the offense and not just wide receivers. So it's just, you know, you get to this point because you've earned it, and now you have to prove that it's worth, you know, keeping you in that role. And uh, Hartline certainly is not going to be shy about what he wants to do or what he thinks he can do. Very interested to see the, the payoff of Brian Hartline being involved with more than just the receivers. I think that could work out quite well for Ohio State. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. I mean, you don't necessarily I mean, think about him going to recruit offensive linemen. Yeah. But, you know, Kevin Wilson pitched in on that and landed Duan Jones. So sometimes it does take more than one voice. And I think it's also worth a reminder that not every position coach is going to have a perfect personality match with kids that they're recruiting. So sometimes having different voices and different attacks can pay off in a big way. Like, 
you know, and Burn, you've alluded to this before. We don't have to keep going down that road, even though it is National Signing Day. But like, you know, Tony Alford is great with relationships. Well, that doesn't mean that every relationship he has with a kid is going to be perfect. And sometimes it might be your recruiter is different than your position coach. So if Ohio State has to take a slightly different approach with that, especially in this changing uh, era and landscape, so be it. Maybe yeah. there's a benefit to that. And I think that you see today, we, we joked about it on this morning's podcast daily, like look at the Ohio State defensive recruiters versus offensive recruiters. In very limited opportunity to listen to James Laurinaitis talk today, you definitely get the sense that dude is going to be an elite defensive recruiter for Ohio State. And you do think, and when Ryan Day talked about it today, was that they want guys that have been through this program that understand what it means to be an Ohio State Buckeye. And uh, James Laurinaitis, you can sense that immediately. That is an intense dude mm -hmm. uh, who is, is going to make sure that Ohio State gets the right type of players, but also the right type of people. So you just need to have guys who are flexible. I mean, Hardline was down at Cincinnati Moeller last Friday talking to Jordan Marshall, who's being recruited by Tony Alford, right? So it's it's already begun where Ohio State's saying, hey, Brian, if you're in Cincinnati, you may as well just go see this guy and not just the wide receiver. So uh, that sort of stuff is is more vital than ever in the recruiting world. The uh, James Laurinaitis piece that you talked about, he'll be obviously working closely with Jim Knowles. Bill, I know that you uh, spent a lot of time over there with the defensive coordinator going into year two, as did I. Uh, what did you take away from that that session? That he's not panicking from the letdowns against Michigan and against Georgia. He was asked like, do you like how how much do you look at changing things up? And he said, you know, not not very much. I think the thing that he seems to be most excited about is that maybe the the past year he's been here has been more about or not more about, but a lot about learning the personalities of all these guys, how to coach them, strengths and weaknesses, how they all fit into, into kind of the puzzle of what he wants to do. And now he's going into his second spring in year two, and he feels like he can push those buttons a little better to, to maximize the potential of everybody up and down the defensive roster. Coach him a little harder, I think, too, uh, which might not be a pleasant spring for, for some players. <laughs> I think uh, will be to Ohio State's benefit. There was probably a little bit of a feeling out process. There's more to the defense, too, than what Ohio State showed last year, and I think that that's part of this, too. Maybe down the stretch they became a little easier to, to figure out because Jim Knowles did not have the full breadth of his of his playbook available to him being in his first year. So he seemed excited about being able to, to show a little more and I think to, to coach these guys a little more intensely now that they've had a year in the system. I think that was something that I asked him about a difference between standing in here today as compared to February of last year. You know, we made a big deal, or, or he did as well, like not going to watch the film of the previous year and make decisions about personnel when they're in a different scheme and I don't know what they're running and a clean slate. Well, he's obviously watching film of the 2022 Buckeyes and he knows the people that are recruited, the people that have played, uh, how they fit into what he wants to build moving forward. And I think that that's a big deal. I think there, there was so much made of instant impact and you have to win a national championship in year one because you knew that there was something pretty special on offense. But it's the reality is that it's not that easy. And everyone knows what happens, knows what happened against Michigan and against Georgia and is critical of that. I get it. But that process was never supposed to be completely finished in year one. That's not a realistic standard. And now he has a bit more of a head start going into year two. I'm not trying to absolve anything that happened at the end of year one. That, that was enough time, and they were close enough to win a national championship. The adjust, adjustments in the third quarter against Speech Bowl were good enough to put them in the spot to do that, and they didn't close the deal. That all happened. And that's gonna—he's gonna have to wear that. But as you try and fix that for year two, 
there's a lot of things that are working in his favor to do so. Yeah, he's got a ton of talent. I mean, I, I didn't talk at all to Larry Johnson today. I don't know if you guys did. I mean, you do have some question marks on this defense. Who's going to step up on the opposite of JT2 Maloow? Who's going to step up at corner in the spring and really take those jobs? Um, you know, obviously you lose Cam Brown, so now you have Denzel Burke, who you pencil in at one, probably. But uh, with with Jordan Hancock being healthy, Ryan Day talked about today, and the addition of Davis and Igbenosin, and, and, and you still have, of course, you know, Jair Brown and younger guys. Some dudes need to step up, and, and you have a ton of talent in the secondary at safety, but how do they all fit? I mean, there's a lot of just... There's still a lot of question marks, but the answers are there. You just have to figure out the order to put them in. Larry Johnson talking about Jack Sawyer. I thought maybe the most interesting thing he said today. Um, they want to, I think, give Jack a more direct plan, not have him live in two worlds, as we've talked about a lot. I hope that's the case. And I think, and I think Larry, I said, I said, Larry, would you just prefer that Jack do what you recruited him to do, which is be a traditional hand on the ground, four three defensive end? And he said, Yeah, but we'll we'll see how that goes. So. Um, I think there's probably some other guys you're going to look at at that Jack position and let Jack Sawyer be a little more comfortable doing the thing that I think becomes more natural. Yeah, one of those guys is Mitchell Melton, who is going to still miss this spring after last season's ACL injury. Um, Ryan Day listed a handful of guys who are going to miss spring football. Some of them are probably like, oh, that's too bad. Some of them were like, eh, it's all right. Like Tommy Eichenberg is going to miss spring. Uh, Emeka Ibuka, Emeka Ibuka <laughs> Julian Fleming. Uh, people are saying, oh, my gosh, what's happening to these guys? Like, don't worry. We know what Emeka Ibuka and Julian Fleming are. but you We also know, know what they were dealing with. We but told. you don't know what Keon Gray's is. You don't know what Caleb Burton or Kojo, Kojo Antwi or, or Caleb Brown. You don't know what Carnell Tate or Noah Rogers or Brandon or Bryson Rogers is. So those guys are going to get all the reps because guess what? Even though Marvin Harrison is going to be available this spring, he's not going to be doing a whole lot of you know, <laughs> bubble wrapping. Wrap he's going to be bubble wrapped. So don't expect to see him in the spring game either except for a drive or so. This is a spring for these young guys to step up on offense. And a spring for the defensive players, like, you know, behind Tommy Eichenberg, again, Steel Chambers probably won't play a whole lot this spring. So the the C.J. Hicks year, the Cody Simon, those guys are going to get their opportunity. I thought he was going to say that Marvin was going to be taking visits throughout spring. <laughs> well, you never know. That's possible. <laughs> he, he may be on his way to South Carolina, South, South California right now. South California. South no one calls it that. <laughs> Why doesn't nobody call it South California? It doesn't roll off the tongue, as you just <laughs> perfectly <laughs> illustrated for those of us. But, I, Bill, did you want to touch on the offensive line before we end this first snappy J on a Woody Wednesday in a while? Yeah, I mean, honestly, there wasn't a, there wasn't a ton of clarity there. I, I said to Berm off off camera, like I, Justin Fry does not talk a whole lot about like specific strengths of, of guys, so it's a little hard to get a read that way. Um, but there is some movement, like Tegra Shabola, I think is going to get a look at tackle. Um, Carson Hinsman was mentioned a few times as as a guy who can get some work at center. Um, Justin Fry did not go so much for the idea of Donovan Jackson potentially playing playing tackle, but there's a whole lot. And of neither did Ryan Day. He said yeah, Matt yeah. Jones and, and Donovan Jackson will stay at guard. So right. That's so, an interesting. But also too, that maybe like Josh Fryer can play left tackle instead of right tackle, which yep. they gave they gave a little bit of, of oxygen to today. So um, nothing's really settled or even like close to it. Justin Fry was was asked a question I mentioned on the on the daily on Wednesday morning if he had to play a game tomorrow. Who are your five? He said, like, I don't know. They'll be five, but I don't know who they are. <laughs> uh, and Josh Fryer, we saw, I saw him in the hallway before we started today, and he looks taller. I don't know if his hair just needs to be cut. him out. Or, but he looked like he's <laughs> off-season stretch play. He looks like he's closing around 6'6 now. So, I mean, if, unless the hair is just getting, you know, poofier. But he certainly looks more like a left tackle than he did a year ago in my mind. Yeah. So we have a lot more to get to from talking with every member of the coaching staff. We're going to do that uh, in the days ahead on the podcast daily and a lot more coverage planned. But, this is just uh, hitting the quick hitters from some snappy Jays. Maybe we should call the show that. I don't know. It's a good idea. Uh, we'll have uh, 
that coming tomorrow morning. We'll have some more, some stock watch maybe, uh, and a lot more analysis of what we heard from Ohio State as the coaching staff got together on National Signing Day, which was quiet other than that noise from the staff. That's Bill Berm. I'm Austin. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. We'll talk to you later.